0: epic new podcast, Two Idiots and a List, where you're going to get Two Idiots
1: and a List. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Fasolo and Keurig McMillan. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Couple of Brain Surgeons and Some Shit They Wrote Down. I like the new title. <laughs> I thought it worked well you too. i to workshop it a little. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to help us grow please subscribe rate and add a comment on whatever you're using to hear us now i believe spotify is adding the option to do so for podcasts as well so if you use spotify jump on that i am here as always with my co-host nick vasolo
0: season greetings everybody we're doing this uh, the day before new year's eve so uh getting it right in right under the wire Today, we're doing a huge band uh, from the 80s to the 90s and even until today. You too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this request came from Michael N. in the Boston area, who also added some extremely complimentary comments to our Facebook page. We very much appreciate you listening, and uh, you could do us a favor and maybe share this episode on whatever social media you prefer.
0: Yeah, and I promise to stop shitting on Boston for this episode. Okay,
1: <laughs> you have to—it's not. Don't take it personally.
0: It's like the big—it's like the the middle brother Chicago beating up on the little brother Boston. <laughs>
1: U2 was started by Larry Mullen, the drummer, in 1976. He was 14 when he posted a note on the school bulletin board looking for band members. Among a handful of others that responded, Paul Hewson, who you all know as Bono, and David Evans, who you know as The Edge, replied, along with Adam Clayton. What's
0: going on in English schools, or even these these uh, English or Irish schools? Like, how many fucking bands have been started by just like a bunch of bandmates and uh, schoolmates, <laughs> yeah, just right? Tacking something to the wall. The
1: Beatles, the Police, right? Genesis, something in the water. Uh, Dick Evans was also a part of the original lineup, uh, and it sounded like he was kind of booted after a couple of years. Uh well, it's the Edge's brother, right? Yes. Yeah, and he started a band called the Virgin Prunes. Mm. <laughs> Who actually produced a number of albums? They were U2's opening act starting out. The original band name was Feedback, and then it changed to The Hype. And these guys started as a cover band for punk acts like The Clash, The Buzzcocks, and The Sex Pistols.
0: Yeah, I think I heard
1: my brother just fall off of his couch. <laughs> you reference U2 as a punk band. <laughs> <laughs> i I tried hard to listen for punk and their stuff you could You could possibly have the argument that some of their early stuff was in that avenue, but uh, that feels a little bit of a stretch
0: it's post punk, but uh, their talents were you know destined them for way beyond punk yeah you know for a band that had, had a, off, has often said is like we fucking sucked like they couldn't play their instruments like for the first 6 months right like, seriously could yeah. not play their own instruments except maybe Larry was okay at the drums but you know you got the edge there who could not even barely tune his guitar no uh, and you know just to stick with it for that long and just to make something
1: out of it like that's a lot of drive yeah there, there, there was a vision there early on mhm Bono ended up being called Bono by school friends which appears to be an adaptation of the Latin word Bonavox, which means good voice. That was not that fitting. <laughs> <laughs> He's been knighted in Britain. He's received similar titles in France and Portugal. Mm-hmm. These guys are successful. Uh, one estimate I saw said they've sold between 150 and 170 million albums worldwide. Oh, yeah. And their tours are nearly the, the, the highest
0: grossing tours every time they go out. Mm-hmm. Going back from the Joshua Tree tour in 87, they played 110 dates, made about $100 million. Zoo TV, which was their biggest one, really, played 157 dates over two years. That's a lot. Right? 151 million. Then it goes up. We'll skip over to like they get to like the 360 tour. Where they played 110 dates. They made 735 million dollars on that.
1: It's insane.
0: <laughs> over nine tours, over about like two and a half billion dollars. It's insane. It's crazy. And a lot of it is spent on the show. Yeah, it's incredible. Now you've seen these guys more than once through the extraordinary generosity of of a person I know. I have been extremely lucky to be in some excellent seats for their last five or six shows. Like I, we're talking like they have this area called the Red Zone. and so u two only plays Stadia. And the last time they played around here was the, you know, the couple of they played United Center, but they also played Soldier Field. And like, I have a video on my phone. Like, I'm I'm so close to Bono, I could trip him off the stage, You're shooting up his pants leg with yeah. your, with your camera. It, it's, it's in so that that type of access, you know, through this extraordinary generosity, I would never be able to 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 afford those tickets. And uh, you know, I just. I, I'm forever grateful for that, but like to look back from that stage setting where I'm sitting or standing and seeing like Soldier Field packed with eighty-five thousand people. Right, it's incredible. Yeah, and to watch these guys perform but bono commands all of them like all the way back all the way back to the very back last row where your season tickets were (laughs) so you can scratch god's toe like all those they're all jumping up and down it's incredible like it's it's really quite a spectacle yeah, i've seen these guys more than i've seen def leppard wow yeah like nine times i
1: think that's that's impressive Mm -hmm. they have won 22 grammys that's more than any other band and Rolling Stone has them at number 22 on the list of greatest artists of all time. Care to take a shot at who rounds out the top three of that list? Oh, the top three? Uh-huh. I got to figure the Beatles are there. Yeah. Got to figure Elvis. Well done. Maybe
0: Hendrix. Bob Dylan. Dylan. But two out of three is pretty good. I re- remember being a fan of these guys back in 83 when I saw their very first video New Year's Day. On New Year's Day and i was like oh huh, that's interesting big hair for a lead singer like bono had huge hair he did but i've always tracked their career and like when joshua tree came out i was like man i'm all the way in cuz i'm a very visual guy obviously I, do, I watched a ton of mtv throughout my life and their their videos have just been stylistically cool yeah they had an image mm-hmm. and he knew you know what he was doing Uh, With that image, but we'll get into you know how those things backfire too.
1: Before the Reddit guys jump down your throat, a note I saw said that Gloria was their first video on MTV. Okay, (laughs) I I wouldn't even know how to get to Reddit. (laughs) Uh, Their first three albums, Boy, October, and War, were produced by Steve Lillywhite, who also produced a ton of just an unbelievable number of albums. For huge names, Peter Gabriel, Dave Matthews, The Stones, Morrissey, Talking Heads, Pretenders, Thompson Twins. After that, I was like, I'm tired of writing down bands. It's just, it's huge. This guy was unbelievably successful as a producer. The model from the cover of the album, Boy, was also the model for the album, War, but his expression was changed to one of anger or fear. hmm and he's also the same kid on their Greatest Hits albums, and he's wearing a, a military helmet. Joshua Tree went platinum in 48 hours in the United Kingdom. Yeah. 48 hours. Just a mega
0: <laughs> crazy album.
1: Yeah. And yet, With or Without You and Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For are the only songs to hit number one mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. Back to back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Made them, that album made them icons. Like, took them out of rock and roll stars. Hey, they did a good job at Live Aid. Cool. Took them into the stratosphere of the icon status. Right. Like, you're talking Michael Jackson, Madonna, you too. Right. You know, they're just, he, they're right there. As a matter of fact, it was Rolling Stone dubbed them as the band of the decade in 1985. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. The great pastime of American media, right? We love to build our, our heroes out of the clay beneath our feet and we love to smash them in part. And that's exactly what happened with Joshua Tree. Right. They toured on that. Fucking thing for two years became mega superstars. They knew it. They kind of felt it, and they're like, you know what? We're going to do another. Uh, you know, uh, what was it Rattle and Rattle right after that? And in an interview that I saw with Adam, the the basis, he kind of said it's like, yeah, we were, you know, we didn't mean to put ourselves on the same pedestal as BB King and Bob Dylan, but that's how it came off, and that's how the people received it. And I can't fault them for that. We fucked that one up, and he's like, we'll never do that again. There was such a whipsawed backlash against them almost immediately. Like, yeah, you guys are absolutely superstars. What's this Angel in Harlem shit? Right, right. You know, what are we doing? Fuck you. What do you think you're as good as Bob Dylan? And that wasn't the point, but it, like it spun out of control for them. Yeah. And in his last, the last show on the last part of that tour that Bono had said, he's like, we're going to go away for a while. And I think he said, he's like, we have to redream the whole thing up again. That's an artist talking.
1: Yeah. That's
0: how you know he's an artist because any other band could have said, fuck it, sold 25 million to Jace Joshua Tree. People hated Rattle and Hum and it
1: still did well. Yeah. Still got a number one out of it, right? We'll just keep on doing the same shit. Bill Maher once said of Gwyneth Paltrow that people have kind of created a cottage industry out of hating her, right? It seems like we're going to hate on these guys because. Well, maybe because we can. Maybe Easy. because they're so successful. Yeah. M- maybe because of what they sing about, or how they sing about it, or the philanthropy that they do, which seems like really shitty reasons to hate somebody. But I just that when I think of uh, when I think of you too, for some reason, Mar saying that stuck in my head. Sure, and rattle and hum did not help that cause.
0: So, are we just going to jump dive in? Let's- I
1: don't have to tell you this. The list that I
0: have, I I just finished it and I'm not happy with it already because I've got a list of probably 15 songs and I'm just like, I just don't know which to pick. So my honorable mention is Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. It's a great tune And the video is fucking awesome too Where they're cartoonized into the Batman
1: cartoon I have not Uh, seen that video So so fucking cool
0: (laughs) That's the thing I think that's the thing about you two like, I like Joe Elliott because I'm like, oh, would it be awesome to be him? YouTube 2 just fucking hits every. They're so goddamn cool. It's just like, I think that all of their visuals that they use, the shit that they do on stage, the shit that they, they bring into their live shows from Zoo TV all the way to the one, that the, the uh, Innocence and Experience, everything is just like, man, that is fucking cool. To do that as a major stadium rock show, like most guys will just like pop like the Foo Fighters put on a very good show in this state but it's like big video screens of the band that you can see up close and you know when he broke his leg he had that rock chair which was awesome right yeah <laughs> but like they like engage with the scenery and stuff like this. it's just like they it's like muse you get a lot of what you you know whatever you pay for that ticket you get it back you can tell that they're not just socking that money away they're putting it into the production of that show right so
1: awesome all right that brings me to my honorable mention and I'm going to the album How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, mm-hmm. and I'm going with Vertigo. I really like the grind of this song. The Edge chunks the chords during the first part of the verses and then goes into kind of a classic Edge guitar picking move in the second part of the verse, uh, and then they go into the chorus and they, they kind of repeat it. I think this song would be a ton of fun to see live. Like, I just imagine the, the, the crowd bouncing up and down, you know, in rhythm to the song. Uh, and I used to really hate the opening he doesn't say uno, he says unos, which means some so he basically says some, two, three fourteen in <laughs> Spanish which I thought, you know, don't yank my dick <laughs> uh, and then in researching this, uh, Bono said there might have been some alcohol involved so they, they, they pulled me back, you know, from the <laughs> precipice of, of really hating that opening, but the rest of the song just kicks yeah it's
0: a good song and the, the bouncing up and down um, in, in, the,
1: in concert is like you know when you've been to a U2 show because about 45 minutes to an hour of it is all just like bouncing up and down yeah the, the last part of the song it sounds like he's going into the normal chorus but instead he sings your love is teaching me how how to kneel And I just thought it was really cool how he tied that line in to add some additional lyricism without kind of overburdening the song or going into a, you know, part C or part D or something else in the song. So I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of that. That's a, that's a good tune. It's a cool song. All right, what you got for number five?
0: so my number five comes off of joshua tree and it's so hard to pick a song off of joshua tree like which is one is better than the other but i just i I just pulled the ripcord i'm like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna put it on the list you know they'll all get they'll do so my number five song is i still haven't found what i'm looking for Such a cool way to like intro a song but and i'm not prone to do this but if you listen to like larry's drums drummers are good for like fills you know you kind of listen for that that's part of like how they get to the show off i really haven't heard too many drummers do kick fills like he fills with his kick drum mm-hmm. and it's fucking awesome so when you when i had somebody point that out to me i'm like you can't listen to the song again without hearing it it's like so fucking cool it's like boom, So you can hear it, he doesn't do it all the time, but when he does it, it's like it's perfectly punctuated. Like he does not get, in my view, he doesn't get enough credit for being a solid, solid drummer. Like this guy is really
1: great. Oh, I think he's the unsung kind of hero of this band. Yeah. Because it sure as hell isn't that bass player. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) He just walks around with a gigantic smile on his face because he's like, every note I play is another 50 grand in my bank. That's,
1: That's right. All right. That brings us to my number five. And I'm going to Zeropa, and the song is Lemon. is a song about preserving memories through film. A man makes a picture, a moving picture through the light projected he can see himself up close. I think uh, there's a really cool groove on this with the reverb that they have on the keys. And Bono is singing the verses in falsetto. And when he kicks back into his normal register, there's something really satisfying about it.
0: What I like about lemon is that I remember the, in the Pop Mart tour they had this gigantic lemon. It must have been fifty foot tall, <laughs> like it was huge at the end of the stage. And they're like, we're looking at the constantly looking. at are like, what the fuck is with the lemon? And like one of their, uh, one of the, um, what do you call Stage it? When hands they come, when they come back? Oh, every, encore! One of their encores, like they came out of the lemon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I read, I read something about that tour that indicated that that was a difficult tour for them. Not a great sound for them. Difficult tour for them.
0: They rushed the end of the album. They yeah. Didn't rehearse for the stage.
1: And it showed. Well, they they talked about that lemon, and apparently there were some mechanical issues with the thing, <laughs> where they would get stuck in there. So Spine, they would have like, Spinal <laughs> Tap <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if they had their instruments, and they were like, <laughs> was it like all echoey? Like, <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh man! That's what do you awesome. got for uh, what do you got for number four?
0: Okay, so my number four is going back to The Unforgettable Fire, um, which, interestingly, the, the, the title for that album came from when they were visiting Chicago and they had gone to a museum exhibit um and i don't know if it was an exhibit about the chicago fire but the title of the exhibit was the unforgettable fire they left chicago and did their tour or whatever and they came back and you know they they needed a title for their album and i think they hit upon the unforgettable fire so anyhow that's you know it's slain castle on the uh, the album cover by the way if you're looking to see u two live um and you can't get to a show their best seat like they've always done an excellent job of putting out dvds of their concert experiences they've done They've always been on the cutting edge of this shit. U2 goes home live at Slane Castle. It's fucking awesome. I and mean, there must be 300,000 people up there. Wow. It's incredible. And again, he just commands all of them. It's really awesome. But Off the Unforgettable Fire is a, a song called Bad.
2: If I...
0: I love this song because, you know, for, with with The Edge, many people don't give him credit for being a good guitarist. And my understanding of his music is less is more, for sure. For sure. He plays around with sound and echo effects. Like, his echo effect is so signature now is that you can't buy an echo box or a mod box and not have a dotted eighth note setting to Edge's setting. Right. Like, that's how much he's impacted, you know, the way people like to play guitar. Like, his setting is already... Like standard It's standard on a, on a thing But this song in particular is, is just him playing Like two notes Yeah And it's just an echoey effect In the background It's Bono's falsetto It's the, the His lyrics are so Just His lyrics In a lot of these songs Like like um, Bad Or One Or, or um, With or Without You They're so relatable to A multitude of different right. Human
1: experiences Right That song is All about heroin Yeah It's about heroin addiction Yep yeah presumably why it's called bad yeah Uh, but uh, the recession that hit ireland and the rest of the world in Mm -hmm. the early 80s led to a jump in heroin addiction in dublin yeah and so that's he lost some folks apparently that were close to him he Mm -hmm. has tied the the loss to a variety of different people uh but i i I was a i'm a big fan of this song this was one of the ones i wrestled with in terms of whether or not to to drop it on my list as well I think the the drums are great in this song. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you know it, there's a continuous build uh, in the song of sound and volume. No one will be surprised if you're a fan of this show.
0: I was the one, you know, I was a kid sitting in my basement in the summer of uh, 1985 watching you two perform, you know, on, in Live Aid. And this song, they had three songs for that set. They only got to play two because this song went on for like 12 minutes. As it turns out, like. Part of that song, the reason why I went so long is because he jumped into the crowd to pull a girl out of the stands, and he started dancing with him. And that to to the mainstream media, that was like, oh, he's a human too, and so let's elevate these guys. And like you two is now our favorite. They're like they're right. the, the, the darlings of Live Aid. Later on, twenty years later or so, that young woman had given an interview. They found her somehow, and they they, they give she given an interview. She's like, I was being crushed to death up against the gate and I was pointing at Bono and he saw me and I watched that video and and you on YouTube and you can see he's not going out there because there's the girl that I'm going to dance with he's going like he tried to get security couldn't get him and he popped over the fence and yanked her out it's pretty stunning like, right. and she said he saved my life and like their dancing together was like he's like it's going to be everything's going to be fine you're safe now it wasn't like Springsteen pulling <laughs> Courtney Cox out no. of the audience <laughs> no no Brian De Palma directed that video. (laughs) Did he really? Yes, he did.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So my number four is Beautiful Day. My number two, all right. But go ahead. Okay. Great poppy beat that just kicks heavy at the choruses. They intentionally wrote the song to sound like they did earlier in their career, and I think it finds that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, going back to you know the earlier days. Uh, there's actually a, a song called "Always." That's a B-side track. That it's it's a really good song. Um, it sounds like okay. This is what "Beautiful Day" turned into. Because yeah. it's it's a very similar type yeah. of
1: thing. Bono said it's a song about losing a lot but finding happiness in what you have left. Mm-hmm. And one of his lines in it is what you don't have, you don't need it now. It's the greatest that's uh, a great message. One of the greatest fucking lines. I just love that part of
0: the song. Mm-hmm. Like when you see it performed live, whether you do it on YouTube or whatever, it's like something like it's it's really a powerful moment. Like yeah. you know, he's like saying "It's what you don't have, you don't need now. such a great song that's why it's my number two it's also part of my number two is because the video is fucking awesome it's them walking around Charles de Gaulle airport and just being you two But, like, they're U2 as worldwide famous people, and people are kind of, like, gawking at them. Right. The great thing about U2 is, like, they play to that. They're playful with it. They're not not Michael Jackson about it. Of course, nobody was really Michael Jackson because he was just a different type of superstar. But they deal with that same type of fame, and they're kind of playful with it. Now, I don't know how much of that was really staged or whether he takes the bite of the apple from the girl in the terminal or whatever. But one of the coolest parts about it is that when they're on the runway... They're, they have their setup on the runway, and they they uh, there's 747s taking off and landing at, like at the apex of the chorus. They're probably CGI'd in, although it was 19, was it 2002, or whatever it was. It looked good at that point. It's always cool to see that. It's like really fucking cool. Just cool. This yeah. is a
1: great song. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that tune. I think it's just got a great drive to it. Great and, build. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your number
0: three? So my three was had held the top spot for a long time. It fell down because like Beautiful Day is up there. I can't, I always go listen to that song. And this song to me is kind of emblematic of the whole experience of listening to Octung Baby, one of my very favorite albums of all time. And the, the track is so cruel. killer groove, the bassist puts down a sweet groove and then uh, Larry kicks in with just a, just, it's a really s- a slow swing and the lyrics are just talking about like, you know, this, this whole album is it's like an album of like betrayal and redemption he's talking to a lover he's talking to like, you know, somebody who's in a relationship with and, and it's, it's a tit for tat relationship and he's like one of his lyrics is like, I'm only hanging on to watch you go down my love <laughs> you know, it's really kind of like uh i'm gonna you know I'm, I'm waiting around right for you to get fucked up first. i,
1: I, I want to see this ship sink well yeah but i want
0: front row seats to it well that's kind of like like this, this the the song one also it's it's not a love song right it's not no. it's a there are a lot of different uh you know it's 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 not hateful messages it's just kind of like them wrestling with you know you know love and relationships type of thing
1: right All right, my number three is actually also off of How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, and it is The City of Blinding Lights. Of meanings in this song. It was originally written from a memory of Bono going to London as a teenager. And then some lines in the song are also an ode to his wife, who he's still married to, and and this was a woman that he grew up with, or at least went to uh, like middle school or high school with. Yeah. They played a show in New York City shortly after 9 11, and he was playing. Or they were playing Where the Streets Have No Name. And while he was singing the song, he looked into the crowd and he could see a, a large number of people in the audience were crying. And so he yelled into the microphone, You look beautiful tonight. And that's where the chorus really came from. Yeah, There's something really admirable about how they write. You know... When Van Halen wrote Beautiful Girls, Mm -hmm. you knew what you were getting. Yeah, yeah, of (laughs) course. There wasn't wasn't much mystery to it. And it probably took them, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to write the lyrics to that song. Yeah. You know, it's good for what it is. These guys, you know, they take their concept... It just sounds like a very fluid thing that, you know, eventually they, they take that concept and move it around and, and shape it. And, and it eventually solidifies and gets kind of molded into place over time. Yeah. So this music is not something that is, you know, you certainly can't call it banal. It has depth. It has It has history. It has we're gonna start like this and we're gonna we're gonna continue to m- mold this over until we get it where we want it and there's a lot of notes out there in the history that I looked at that indicated Bono is really unsatisfied with some of the stuff that they've put out some of the songs that are iconic songs he yeah. he wasn't happy with the result felt like he was getting pressured either by the band or by production management uh, that's I, there's something about this song that I just I like the the uh, The the ooh-ooh-oohs that lead up to, you know, you look so beautiful tonight. Mm -hmm. There's a really odd bridge in the middle that doesn't quite fit the style of the song, but I can get over it. It's not unpleasant. It's just Just, weird.
0: Well, as young men, they were all, well, three of them, Edge, Bono, and uh, Larry, were very much Christian. Oh, yes. Like, religious overtones in these songs are strong to a point where adam who was not was adam was kind of like the troublemaker he got kicked out of a couple schools and stuff like that and uh, he was in this band with three guys who would regularly go to bible studies and things like that and they're not they weren't fucking around they were christians yeah, they're and he's, serious. Like, he's like you know what i don't think i'm right for this band and they're like let's take a step back right and so that's kind of when they receded from the christianity thing Because they were well on their way to being, like, a Christian pop band. Right. Right? And so Adam was kind of pulled them from that precipice, but it's still there. Oh,
1: sure. Like, all of, like... Well, they close every concert with 40, and that is an adaptation of Psalm 40 from the Bible. Yes. You don't feel like you're getting preached to, at least not about Christianity. You might be getting preached to about other things by you too, which which is a, an unfortunate side effect of the philanthropy, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, here is the thing: I don't think I am not going to go off on a rant here, but I just think that their part of Christianity that they choose to like expose their, their the 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 community to is more of kind of like the. Jesus was a good guy. Right. This be, is what he wanted. Be nice to, to each, each other. You know, yeah. Be cool to each other. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much the message. And yeah. that's really what you get. You know. And I don't mind that at all. No, and I'm not I'm a good you know, with that. not a particularly religious person, but I don't mind that at all because you know he's a groovy cat. Sure. I'll do sure. it. All right. What's your fantasy concert lineup? Oh,
1: well, I've got one for you. Oh, I am looking forward to. I've this. I've got one
0: for you. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. So this is. Do you want to go first? Because I've got a whole explanation
1: here. <laughs> sure. I don't know that mine's that deep. So I, I kind of thought about this, like who are bands that are sort of like U two, but you know, because U two is kind of unique. They've got kind of unique sound, and I ended up going with two other bands that have a unique sound, and one of those is The Cure. Mm. <laughs> By the way, folks, if you are not familiar with "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me" by The Cure, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic album, really, really top-notch album. And then uh, I also want to see them with New Order. Fuck you! Get the <laughs> fuck out of here! Do you have New Order? That's who I've got on my list. <laughs> Go ahead. I just think that I think that New Order would fit really well, right? Yeah. Good. I just want to hear substance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: To be a full hour that's and a, a half. They did. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what I have. I've got New Order opening up. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. It that fits perfectly for them. Yeah, that's a good lineup. I like that. Yeah. Cure, U2, New Order. That's a good lineup. We got New Order coming on, and then here my second band. And this is a very specific reason why. If you listen to this band's first album, which was produced in 1989, called Liquidizer. Jesus Jones Liquidizer sounds like the studio recordings of the Octung Sessions.
1: see that tie they
0: said we're going to fucking berlin because brian eno who was our guy our producer he worked with bowie bowie needed to get the fuck out too when he was reimagining ziggy Sardis into his new guy they went to berlin and he's like we're going to fucking berlin right yeah there we're going to do it a different perspective we're getting away from the white flags and the cowboy hats we're going to do something different and so at that point, you have bands, English bands like the Stone Roses, doing like dance music, dance rock. And he wanted to get to a place where you can do dance rock. And Jesus Jones was also floating around there at the same time, and they must have heard it. Zoo TV comes from the station of Berlin where they were, uh, their studio was near. So there's the Berlin, Berlin Metro. And so Berlin Metro is numbered like U1. U two, U three, train numbers, uh-huh. and on the U two line, there's Zoo. the Zoo. There's a large, larger um, name for it. There's a German name for it, but it's basically people call it Zoo Station, and that's where their recording st- studio was. And two stops down is the Opera House, and two stops down the other way is the nightlife district of Berlin. And in in the the lyrics for Zoo, T- uh, Zoo Station, they they kind of make mention of that. It's like we're coming from both worlds, like the high art and the 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 party life the, the party like and we're gonna fuse this together and it's like a shit, it's, it's fucking awesome yeah. the, 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 the design of that album is awesome that's cool that's cool what do you have for number two <sighs> that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get that out just like it's brilliance number two is my beautiful day ah that's right but I can put one in there if, you, if you'll allow me I've got a lot in there but no go ahead
1: my number two I'm going with a classic and I'm going with pride in the name of love
0: Early morning,
2: April 4th
1: You can't beat the message here. The song is quite obviously about Martin Luther King Jr. Bono acknowledged the lyrical error of early morning April 4 since King was murdered in the evening. It was originally written, however, about Reagan's pride of American military might. Mm-hmm. They eventually restructured it to you know, what we know today. Uh, this is number 388 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, placing it, I believe, about 100 points higher on the list than I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. <laughs> listen, right. listen to our previous episode if yeah. you want some laughs. laughs. Yeah, right. Chrissy Hind is the backing vocalist yeah. on this song. Uh, At the time, she was married to Jim Kerr from The Simple Minds. Mm -hmm. So the credit isn't written to Chrissy Hind, It's written to Christine Kerr. She's the one that told Bono, it's like you're never going to make art until you start singing lyrics that you believe in. Pride, I think, was the beginning of that arc. I mean, obviously, when they were doing stuff off of War and October and Boy, they had songs with with some depth and some meaning. This one really kind of combined not only good lyrics and a good message, but mm-hmm. also good music. Yeah. And they, they kind of hit the trifecta on Yes. This. All right. Then that brings us to your number one. What you got? So my number one was really not... Um... That was
0: really never in question. It was always on number one. It was just whether or not I was sharing a spot with another song. The uh, the song is stuck in a moment. song is written as a conversation between himself and his good friend Michael Hutchins. This was a song he wrote for him posthumously. It's just a beautiful song. Uh, everything about it I think is beautiful. Um, I think the, the last part of the song when Bono and Edge kind of share parts um, is really moving, it's really touching, and it's a, it's a great song. I love it.
1: That's a great tune. Yeah, I, I also had that as a contender for my list. Great song.
0: Yeah. Their version that they did on David Letterman's show, just the two of them sitting in the chairs, stunning. Hmm. It's stunning. I'll have to pull that up. Yeah, it's really great.
2: Just a moment. Just a moment. This two shall pass.
1: Alright, my number one. I'm going all the way back to war for this one. And it's New Year's Day. Say- When did that album come out, 83, 84, somewhere in that neighborhood? Earlier, 80, 83. 83-ish? Ish. I think I got it, you know, within a year or two, probably. I don't know for sure, but I know that my parents plopped me on a train from Chicago to Cleveland, uh, where my grandfather lived. My grandmother had already passed away. I had, we talked in the last episode about my memories of Boston's third stage, where I would gotten this... <laughs> the first exposure to real stereo sound Uh, this was me riding on the train and I had a handful of cassettes with me and one of them was U2's War and I really dug into the album I, I liked it a lot it had just a raw sound and it's that early raw sound of U2 that I knew first Edge isn't using the same reverb effect that he used throughout so many of his other songs. It's it's like I said, it was raw. He chunks the guitar quite a bit and uh, drops a, a pretty simple but fairly decent guitar solo in the song. Uh, the bass line is simple, as expected, but it's not. He's he's not just repeating the same notes, you know, on a repetitive line. It's a little more varied. Bono's really high and clean uh, And he's up in the mix The song is about Poland's solidarity movement Now when you and I were kids That was all kind of unraveling yeah. uh, Coming together And I remember walking to grade school And seeing the Solidarno's I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right uh, Posters in windows In suburban Chicago Sure, you know the, That was a labor movement That got the world's attention And the support of the United States and eventually got Lech Walesa uh, voted president. That's really nothing to do with that. But anyhow, it's uh, well, we have a big Polish. You know, there's more,
0: <laughs> more more Polish people here in Chicago than there are in Warsaw.
1: Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> so a quite the pocket. Speaking to the here. crowd, right, right. So, I just I think uh, I think it's a really cool tune. His line, "Ah, oh, maybe the time is right. Maybe tonight." sings that it's just it's crisp and, and i like i like this song a lot
0: they play it at every show i think there's one of the one of like four or five songs they always play at, at shows because that's what people want to see and and it's, it's amazing to see especially at that line the, the entire the house lights go up and the whole fucking place is just
1: like, just, like just if rocking. you were to
0: open up the doors of soldier field and let everybody run out on the streets like they're ready for revolution right <laughs> they're ready for it right
1: right all right what's your most hated
0: Uh, man I couldn't I mean I it was a hard thing for me to come up with uh, uh, most hated Uh, but I will go and and you know kick a man while he's down on the rattle and hum album Uh, desire just never really did it for me I don't dig it. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, the Helter Skelter remix. Right. You know, when he said, you know, like, you know, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles and was stealing it back. Okay. Yeah. I think that was the height of the pomposity that they were talking about. It's like, you're done. <laughs> we're done yeah. with this act. We're done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, as I was listening to their catalog, I was like, boy, I'm going to have a hard time with this. And then I got to this song. And it was off a rattle and hum. Yeah. And it's fucking Angel of Harlem. Oh, it's (laughs) fucking awful. There's something about the melody combined with the horns that just irks yeah. me. The way he sings Angel is kind of whiny, you know, Uh ah, swollen like a bee sting. <laughs> it just doesn't work
0: for me. That and when love came to town with BB King, yeah, with BB like, King, like, like BB's
1: just being a nice guy. He's like, I'll, I'll play with you guys, yeah, come on like <laughs> I'm I with you there too, and and that was also so I had those two on the list, and that was that was going to be my follow, you know. Once I made my decision, it was going to be one of those two, but but yeah, it was Angel Harlem. <laughs> All right, what's your coolest four seconds? I got a lot. Okay, I got a lot. Kick it off.
0: All right, so before we get into that, my wife, who's also a huge uh, YouTube fan, she wanted to put she wanted to play along at home. So I'll just give you her. I'll run down her top five. From number five spot, she had "Sweetest Thing." Number four, she had "Elevation." Number three was "With or Without You." Number two is "One," and number one is "Stuck in a Moment." With the same one as I. It's no wonder I married this woman. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What do you got? I love Numb. Yeah, from Zoropa. So follow-up to Octung Baby. Okay. The The video is just Edge's face, you know, tight uh, on Edge's face, and it's just this real mechanical song. There's nothing really, like, I like it. It's funny. It was cool. Like, for them to do that, it's like, just, I'm just going to be here. And people are going to be, you know, the girls are sticking their tongue in my ear and like running their hands over—it's a—it's a cool video. This is your coolest four seconds. Yeah, man. Well, the, the, so the opening—the opening the, the openings, uh, part of no.
1: the beginning of seconds off of war they repeat the initial riff like it was an accident and then so they start the riff they stop they restart it and then go on and i just thought that was kind of cool it always just struck me as a as kind of a unique thing to do on a tune
0: their last album experience uh, songs from experience 2017 they uh, did a track called get out of your own way it's a really awesome track it's about america kind of like dealing with you know what you were dealing with in 2017 Chorus part of it, where um, you know Bono is talking about you know how everything's going to be okay. Just need to get out of your own way, and and Edge has kind of got that um, falsetto behind him. It, that always works for me. I don't know what it is about those two voices paired together. Where the Edge is always doing the falsetto in the background, and um, you know Bono is very earnestly going after those lyrics. Like it just works, and that song is a good example of
1: that in the chorus. Cool. The vocals halfway through bad. When he starts cranking out, I'm wide awake. I thought that was a, a good clip. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like a lot of their lyrics are really cool. Like you, you got to dig through them, but they're like that. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. That that the, the one of the lyrics that stuck out is, and, and it's really a cool part of the song. It's like they want you to be Jesus. They'll get down on one knee, but they'll want their money back if you're alive at 33. <laughs>
1: That's a cool lyric. I like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the intro to Zoo Station which you mentioned earlier off of Octon Baby has yeah. a really crunchy distorted guitar. Mm-hmm.
0: The intro drums on Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And now they just play that song with Bono and Larry with a what do you just a snare drum around his neck where they just walk around Oh like a, like a
1: marching soldier
0: Yeah yeah that's all they and he just just pops away at that
1: it's really awesome ah, That's cool yeah. The intro to Some Days Are Better Than Others
2: mm-hmm.
1: to give some rare bass kudos to adam clayton okay is quite possibly the most boring bass player to walk the earth but that's a cool tune and i like i like his bass line in uh in that intro yeah I
0: like the part in uh, even better than the real thing when he uh, that video is also really groundbreaking for its time. What's really cool they put it on a, a lipstick camera and they just circulated the band. It was really neat to look, but the part of that song when when he's like talking about it, he's like I'm gonna blow right through you like a breeze. Yep. <laughs> always thought like man what a cool way to just say things it's yeah like, he's he's a really good lyricist man he's really good i really enjoy it. like i think that's why he's they're right up there at the top because sure the, the lyrics are always there sisters of mercy do you want more oh for sure yeah i haven't listened to octung baby probably in a good maybe like the whole thing top to bottom for maybe a couple of years and i was going through it, and i just couldn't stop listening to it it's like man every fucking song is just one after one banger after the other.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I you know, initially when we talked about doing U two and, and U two has been on our list for a while, we did get the request and it was sort of like, well shit, why don't we do U2? My memory of them was that sort of annoyed and, and a lot of that probably had to do with overexposure. Uh, but the sort of annoyed thought or you know, thinking of U2 like, eh, you know, I've had enough. I I kind of, this rekindled some respect for me for them that I might not have realized I had or maybe didn't have before by listening to some of this stuff. And the fact that they were able to pull me in on songs from, you know, well after their start in the early 80s that that I, I like. All right. Who's the MVP?
0: I hesitate to give it to Bono only.
1: I thought about that as well. You know, you could tie it to, Obviously, all of them had a hand in writing the music, right? Every one of them is listed as writers. And the lyrics are, are really strong. You know, mm-hmm. the storyline behind these songs is strong. And so what I did was I looked at it as, like... What drives these guys? Because after you do Joshua Tree and you're worth, well, I don't know how much they were worth right. after that, 10, 20 million, 30 million a piece. I, I they have made no it. idea. They, they, made, they, they yeah. achieved
0: what they wanted to be, which is the biggest band in the world. Yeah. That's what
1: they said. And so they keep driving, right? And they keep driving. Mm-hmm. And what's driving them isn't the cash. Now, I'm sure they, no. they like to make it, but what's driving them is the shit that they believe in and the shit they're trying to fix. So I'm actually giving the MVP. To all things bad in the world. Because that's the shit that's okay. driving them forward. Hunger in Africa or famine in Africa. Uh, you know, water issues, uh, you know, human rights issues, no, they're, all
0: they're these things. Very much involved with a lot of that stuff. The yeah. Good, the and good Friday Accords. Yeah. Uh, in large part done, you know, with his aid and kind of yeah. publicity using his platform. And
1: his wife is a big, big yes. activist, too. She yeah. uh, she had like a big campaign against some nuclear energy facilities in Britain. And,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, they're both quite active.
0: You know, Panama Papers aside, because, you know, there's you run a fucking business that's worth billions of dollars. You're not watching every penny to goes yeah. in and out that and door. I, and I don't know the whole story of that. No. I just know they got tangled up in that best. However, the balance of the work that they do very much, you know, in the Christian tradition of, like, community and service and faith. And I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So you can get, like, are we, are we going to give the MVP to the Christianity of it all? No. Okay. That's fine. Maybe you and I are saying the same thing in a different way.
1: I think so. I think so. (laughs) All right. How do you rank these guys? Skill. What are you giving them? I
0: will give them a four, flat four. Edge is really good. Larry's really good.
1: I put them at a 3.2 because I agree Larry is good, and obviously Bono has his skill set. Sure. The Edge, I think, is highly overrated. I Mm. really do. I used to play in a band with a guy who was a really skilled guitarist. And right. he was also a huge U2 fan. Yeah. And he ranked The Edge as, like, top five all time. The rest of the band had to pick themselves off the floor from laughing. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't put him there. I
0: think that his innovation is where he really makes his,
1: his bones. Yeah, he figured out how to make the delay effect a signature sound. And but, I yeah, think that's you, a big thing. You, it's not. It's not a small thing. Yeah. It also wasn't like he designed the effect. He simply extended the the delay. So it wasn't like you know, yeah. like the guy from Boston creating the Rockman processing technology. He basically turned his delay up.
0: I mean, I, yeah, it's fair enough. And you know, he's not a terribly technical guitarist, but he's um, he he's, fills a notch. Yeah, and that that bass player isn't worth <laughs> a pile of bricks. The smile on his face is worth the money just to watch him, just to watch him just strut around because right? he really has no personality whatsoever except for just a smiling no, rich guy.
1: Who's just, Yeah, I'm just going to play 16th notes of the same note over and over again. Yeah. I mean, With or Without You has the same bass line throughout the entire song. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you got lucky. Got lucky catalog. I gave them a 4.8. I thought they had a pretty good diversity in their catalog, a lot of depth. They had what 14 studio albums, you know. I don't
0: want you to get hit by Reddit, yeah. That's what I've written down here, so
1: (laughs) we'll see. It may not be 100% accurate, but I think that's what it is.
0: I'd give them a 4.8 too. You can get deep, yep, probably
1: 30 deep on these guys. Oh, yeah, I, I had quite a list of potentials, yeah. Their image. I remember we used to talk about the Bono turd dance. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> and that... That
0: was, that was coming from the Joshua Tree Days, the videos that they used to put together.
1: Yeah, that looked like he had a load in his underwear. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, I never thought these guys were all that cool. Now, I've never seen them live, so they, they're getting hit on yep. that from me. I put them at a flat four. Well, anything changes when you see them
0: perform live. It just does for me. Sure. Um, so I have him up there with 4.8 because Vano is a fucking awesome front man. He is awesome. He is like... Commands the audience. It, he's just great. It's, it's fucking awesome. One of the greatest like intros to a concert is they play uh, Where the Streets Have No Names, which is a long plotting chords of the organ and stuff like that. The band then comes out and takes it places on the stage and and Edge starts playing the, the guitar chords and then it starts to kick up and then Bono just runs around the fucking stage and like they have this big loop around the stage, there's an inner side and then there's outer side and he hits the mark every single time it's just like That's, this, what a way to start a show it's right. like fucking it's just like and there's just a roar of people and, and like he's he just basks in all of it it's just like you can tell these guys have been at it for 45 years and they love every single moment they're on stage
1: yeah, including Adam yep. <laughs> well good for him <laughs> All right, that uh, that wraps this episode. You'll be hearing from us again here in, in about a month. In the new year. In the new year. Yeah,
0: 2022, second year.
1: God willing, it's better than <laughs> the last couple of years. How could it be any worse? That's right. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening to us. Be well.
2: Oh, no!